This is episode number 15 of the Individual One podcast. For the record, individual number one is President Donald J. Trump. And I am your host, John Ziegler. We're broadcasting from Los Angeles, California. We're distributed internationally by the Global Story Network. And this is the brand new bi-weekly program, which takes an honest and hard look at the presidency of Donald J. Trump from a conservative perspective, because as I often say, no one else is willing or able to tell the real truth about him because the liberal mainstream media has completely lost their minds. They cannot be objective, and they're often very wrong about him. And the conservative now state-run media has been totally compromised and completely co-opted. We, however, at the Individual One Podcast have most definitely not been co-opted. Hope you've enjoyed the first 14 episodes of the program. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share it via social media. And join the over 11,000 Twitter followers we already have at our Twitter handle, which is Individual One Pod. That's Individual, the number one pod. Now, we are doing this edition of the podcast under excruciatingly difficult circumstances. Not of our own doing, but uh, pretty much in keeping with the luck that I tend to have in life and uh, and in general, which is that we anticipated that today might be the day that uh, we learn more about the so-called Robert Mueller report, his investigation into Russian influence into the 2016 election, which tangentially is part of why this podcast exists and part of why it's called Individual One, although not directly because technically that uh, deals with a completely different investigation with regard to why Michael Cohen opens this uh, particular podcast with that uh, statement about who Individual One is. But I digress. We are doing this uh, late in the morning, Los Angeles time, as we are recording this podcast because this is about as late as we could delay. And uh, with the way my luck generally goes, as soon as we end the recording, uh, the Attorney General of the United States, Bill Barr, will release the summary conclusions of, of the Robert Mueller report. And there's a good chance that much, if not all, of what you're about to hear is going to be dated. Hopefully not totally irrelevant, but it could be dated. Uh, so because we have very little other choice, in fact, we had a, a guest scheduled, uh, Rick Wilson, GOP consultant and TV commentator and author of the book, Everything Trump Touches Dies. Uh, but we're holding off on everything uh, because we just don't know what Barr is going to do and we're going to run out of studio time. And so we decided just we're going to record this and see what happens. So <laughs> buckle up. It could be an interesting ride. And I, I just, my gut instinct on this is that as soon as we're done, this is what's going to happen and we'll learn more. As far as where we currently are as of this recording. So Friday, Robert Mueller finally really or gave over his report to Bill Barr, the Attorney General of the United States. And uh, of course, the initial media reaction, uh, the anti-Trump media was very disappointed. They almost couldn't hide their disappointment because the reality is there were no new indictments. And this was something that was crushing to a lot of people who have invested so much time, effort, hopes and dreams into the idea that, well, this is just all a matter of time, that Robert Mueller is this master strategist. He is building towards this crescendo. And even if Trump is not indicted, because as a sitting U.S. president, he cannot be, clearly members of his family are going to be indicted, Donald Trump Jr., maybe Jared Kushner, uh, and others related to that, because after all, you can't have uh, full-on Russian collusion without help. Uh, Donald Trump's not going to do it all by himself, and if he did, you wouldn't be able to prove that in all likelihood, especially since the guy doesn't even do email. So uh, if you don't have indictments of Donald Trump Jr. and you don't have indictments of Jared Kushner and Paul Manafort has already been convicted and sentenced having nothing to do with conspiracy with Russia and not certainly not directly and Mike Flynn has already pled guilty to lying about his interactions with Russia but was recommended to get no jail time and Michael Cohen has already been sentenced and there's no indication that he was involved in a conspiracy to collude with Russia during the campaign and in fact 
He said uh, several things in his most recent testimony which contradict the narrative, specifically that he had never gone to Prague, which blows up on a huge portion of the so-called Steele dossier. So all of this is, frankly, very consistent with the idea that if there was collusion with Russia, that Robert Mueller simply cannot prove it. And this has been my position for quite a long time. Uh, it's interesting that in episode number 13 of the Individual One podcast, we played a huge chunk of an old interview I did with the author, the co-author of the book Russian Roulette, Michael Isakoff, uh, where Isakoff effectively says, I think before anybody in the mainstream news media, look, if you read the tea leaves here properly, there's no indication that, that Mueller is going to come through like the, the anti-Trump media would like him to that there's no indication that he has the goods. Now, does that mean it didn't happen? No. Does it mean it did? No. It means it's not proven and it's not going to result in any indictments. That doesn't mean it's a witch hunt, by the way, because there's been an enormous number of indictments and guilty pleas and convictions uh, of people who are integral to this investigation. I mean, let's face it. When you've got the national security advisor of the president, the president's personal attorney, his campaign chairman, uh, and a bunch of other people that were related to those people who are, are all convicted at this point, that's exceedingly significant. But does it prove collusion, so-called collusion, which is a word that you know I have been theorizing for a while, that Donald Trump has strategically uh, created to put the goalposts in a place where he knew, either because he knew it didn't happen or because he knew it wasn't provable, to put the goalposts in a place where he knew that Robert Mueller would not be able to reach them. And if you set the goalposts and there's all this buildup, all this anticipation, and the kick falls short and potentially way short, guess who the winner is? Well, of course, it's Donald Trump. With me, it just works. You know, it's magic. Yeah, that's the way... Trump does things. And I have always argued that he's not nearly as dumb in a lot of ways. He's, he's book dumb. There's no question about that. But he is not street dumb. He is very street smart. And at times he seems like an idiot savant. I don't know whether or not this is one of those circumstances. I could be giving him too much credit. Of course, we don't know for sure what the heck's in the report. We may never know everything that's in the report. And I, I am as tired as anybody is of reading tea leaves when it comes to what Robert Mueller has, what he doesn't have. Uh, and, but look, um, you know, where I am as of this particular moment, the lack of indictment certainly shows that there's going to be no proof of collusion. That's clear. No conspiracy with Russia that's going to be proven or indictable. I mean, that couldn't be more obvious. And the, the Trump fans have been celebrating that for the last couple of days. Now, of course, I find this to be hilarious and so indicative of Trump's cult. I love the poorly educated. That after uh, demonizing Robert Mueller for well over a year and buying into this whole witch hunt bullcrap, which is exactly what it is. It was not a witch hunt, but this is what Trump needed to do to get the jury on his side. After over a year of this, suddenly, before we even know what Mueller said, Mueller is being used to exonerate Donald Trump. That's extraordinary. I mean, that's extraordinary that, that there's that much of a 180-degree shift here. That, uh, that somehow Mueller is the, this horrible guy who has been on a witch hunt. Now, let's be clear. A witch hunt against the President of the United States, which would be you know technically treasonous, by a, by a lifelong Republican war hero, which doesn't even make any damn sense. And in fact, it's, it's more than doesn't make sense. It's just flat out ridiculous. But this has been the narrative about Robert Mueller. Now, all of a sudden, he's the bastion of truth and goodness. Before we even know what the hell he said. Now, again, it's clear that no indictments is at least on the surface, exceedingly good news for Trump. And I believe that the most likely scenario at this point is he has won. Regardless of what the truth is, regardless of what the facts are, the, the, I've always said that for Trump to really be damaged by Mueller at this point because he spent over a year destroying the credibility of the investigation with a bunch of lies and bullcrap, 
For that to happen, Mueller needs a nuclear weapon. And I've said constantly that the nuclear weapon either doesn't exist or he couldn't get it to work, meaning he couldn't prove it. And that, to me, was the headline of Friday. There's no nuclear weapon. Does not exist. Or again, if it does exist, he couldn't figure out a way to get, get it to work. Now, there is a scenario, this would be the, I have a nuclear weapon, I just couldn't get it to work <laughs> situation, that would not be good for Trump. Would it be enough to severely damage or destroy him? I doubt it. But there is a scenario as we speak that, uh, it, that goes something like this. That the reason why Mueller has ended his investigation is because he realizes it can't go any further because there has been too much obstruction by Trump and those around him. Now, this would be logical. I'm not saying this is the scenario, but there is an argument to be made here that, that effectively Mueller could just be saying, you know what, I've gone as far as I can. The president won't even uh, fulfill his promise to do an interview with me. These, these written answers are, are uh, useless. And, um, and because he has obstructed justice in so many different ways, there's no way to get anybody to tell me the truth of what happened. Again, I'm not saying that that's for sure what's happened or even likely what's happened. But it is a scenario that does make some sense. That he essentially Mueller's just putting his hands up in the air and saying, you know what, <laughs> this is what I can prove. I can't prove anything else because there's been so much obstruction here. And let's be very clear, there is an extremely good argument, unless, unless there's a whole bunch of things that we are, we've been told that are flat out not true or have been grossly misinterpreted, which I don't believe is the case, so it's certainly possible. There's a whole series of things that we know, as close as we can possibly know them, that Donald Trump did that would be under the realm of obstruction of justice. One of the more outrageous reactions I've seen over the last couple of days after it was revealed that Mueller had uh, filed his report with the attorney general came from Nikki Haley, someone I used to really like, former governor of South Carolina, former U.N. ambassador, someone who uh, during the 2016 campaign stood up to Donald Trump by in, uh, endorsing Marco Rubio. This was not a Trump person. But she became part of the Trump world when she took the job as the U.N. ambassador, suddenly left it uh, last year. And uh, she tweeted that we should really keep in mind, I'm paraphrasing, but this is a pretty good paraphrase. We should really keep in mind that, uh, you know, through all of this, Donald Trump did not interfere with Robert Mueller's investigation. And now that it is concluded, we should all basically just move on. And, that, and she was giving Donald Trump credit for not having interfered with the investigation into his own campaign. Now, first of all, my, my first reaction is that this is incredibly uh, low set of standards for the president of the United States. We're better than that. Yeah, I'm not sure we are. But I mean, but that, I mean think about how pathetic those standards are. For, for a president of your own party. Well, at least he didn't interfere with the investigation into his own campaign. That's not true. I'll get to that in a moment. But just the absurdity of giving him credit for that. I went on Twitter and I likened this to if um, during the uh, jury deliberations, which didn't last all that long, not nearly as long as what's been going on here with the Robert Mueller report. But if during the jury deliberations in the O.J. Simpson case, remember those? If during those deliberations someone had gone out there and said, you know what, regardless of whether or not O.J. Simpson is found guilty or, or not guilty, he deserves credit for not murdering any of the prosecutors or the witnesses that his lawyers unfairly and unethically destroyed during this trial. Good for you, O.J. Simpson. You didn't murder anybody else. That's effectively what Nikki Haley is saying. And by the way, the, there are some similarities for what we're doing right now in this waiting pattern. It is kind of like waiting for a jury verdict. I mean, that's what, the way Mueller is perceived in this. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether or not his cult maintains their view of him if somehow uh, this is not nearly as positive for Trump as is currently being perceived before we know anything about what's actually in the report. But right now, I mean, it's as close to a jury verdict as we're likely to ever get, since I don't think we're ever going to get an impeachment at this point, based upon what we currently know, that gets into a Senate uh, trial and an actual uh, up or down vote that matters there. I'm not sure about that, but that certainly seems to be where we're headed now. So this is kind of like what happened with the O.J. Simpson jury verdict, because if you remember, the there was the announcement of a jury verdict, and then uh, Judge Ito, Lance Ito, uh, said, okay, tomorrow morning we'll announce this. Uh, unfortunately, it would have helped us here at the Individual One Podcast if there had been that kind of specificity as to at exactly what time this thing was going to be announced, but that has not occurred. I, I, I can tell you exactly what time it will be. The moment we end taping this podcast is when it will be. That's that's for sure. Uh, but but uh, But if you remember, there was this almost a day of anticipation and analysis of something no one knew anything about. Now, when that happened, I knew, and I think Ito knew, that O.J. was going to be found not guilty. I mean, I'll never forget the look on Ito's face when, when his jury came back after three hours after that incredibly long trial. He's like, oh, shit. This is, this is not going to be good. Uh, they, they blew this. And, and that's where I was. The conventional wisdom, if you remember, was mostly that O.J. must be guilty because how could a jury come back so quickly on a case with so much evidence and be not guilty? Well, it turned out that he was not guilty. So the conventional wisdom was largely wrong. I, I happen to be, in that case, uh, exactly right. Um, and, you know, the, the conventional wisdom is usually wrong. I understand the conventional wisdom right now that this is going to be really great news for Donald Trump. My guess is it's going to be a mixed bag. Now, but a mixed bag, to be clear, is still a win for him. Because I go back to the nuclear weapon uh, metaphor. Mueller needs a nuclear weapon for Trump to ever be ousted or severely damaged because Trump has done such a good job, much like O.J. Simpson's lawyers did, in discrediting the investigation which, with a bunch of lies and bullcrap for the last year plus. Well, Mueller was just doing his job. Uh, they were out there lying and putting forward all sorts of bizarre conspiracy theories, and Devin Nunez was doing his dirty work for him, and Jim Jordan was doing his dirty work for him, and it's all bullcrap. It's all just a bunch of made-up, BS. Uh, um, But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because, you know, it's all about, you know, it's the old Al Davis from the uh, Oakland Raiders. Just win, baby. And not getting indicted and not having Mueller come to the conclusion that there was uh, collusion with Russia is a win for Trump. Zero doubt about that. In fact, it could be a huge win for Trump. And I have been saying for a while now that there's a better chance that Mueller is going to benefit Trump uh, then he's going to do any real damage to him. And it's largely because of expectations. Trump won the expectations game here, whether that was on purpose or because of dumb luck or some combination of the two. I don't know. But it's I've written about this on numerous occasions, including just this week, a few days ago, writing about why Donald Trump is going after John McCain in such a harsh way, bizarrely, inappropriately, unethically. And I, and I put forward the theory that, you know, look, Mueller is going to disappoint a lot of Trump critics, but there's still this weird thing about Trump's obsession with the Steele dossier, which has been largely discredited. No one's talking about it. And now Trump is trying to connect John McCain to its origins and its dissemination to the media, which I don't believe is fair based upon my reading of the factual record. So why is he doing that? And that still is an indication of a guy who has fear. What's he afraid of? Why does he care? No one's talking about this except for him. Why? There's got to be a reason. And, I, you know, it's perfectly plausible that Trump knew something was about to hit, that he needs there to be as much anti-McCain venom, or maybe he's just using McCain, as a way to discredit the dossier because there's something in the dossier that's true that's very damaging to Trump. Now, that's just a theory. I still think that's certainly plausible. 
But as we read the, you know, again, I hate this damn reading the tea leaves. We've been reading molar tea leaves for so damn long. I just want somebody to tell us what the hell happened. Just tell us the gosh darn truth of what happened so we can finally get to the bottom of this and move on. But we never get to the bottom of anything. And my, my gut tells me we're never going to get to the bottom of this because, you know, there's going to be uh, redactions and parts of this that will not be made public. Already, Republicans in Congress who voted in favor, symbolically, of a full release of the Mueller report in a unanimous vote in the House uh, a short while ago that Trump cynically said, oh, yeah, go ahead and vote for it. Uh, it's all just for show. That's almost a direct quote from Trump. Some Republicans are now already saying, well, they don't think all of it should be released. Well, that's pretty uh, telling, don't you think? That's pretty telling that if you don't want it all released, why don't you want it all released? Uh, and, you know, it, that's certainly consistent with the idea that there's some information in there that you're anticipating that you don't like. There's also, wh what do we do with the fact that Donald Trump hasn't tweeted about this? Now, he, he, this morning on Sunday, he, he did put out a couple of cryptic tweets uh, not really cryptic, just very benign tweets. Good morning and uh, make America great again. Almost like he's trying to show the world, hey, I'm still allowed to tweet. I'm just, you know, I'm going to wait. I mean, that is, his fans, of course, are, inter are interpreting this as, oh, he's just, he's just warming up for the big victory celebration once, uh, you know, he gets to uh, spike the football when, when uh, Mueller's principal conclusions are eventually released. Uh, again, probably as soon as this individual and podcast has uh, been recorded. So, um, but I have to say that the fact that this has taken a little bit of while, that we went all yesterday and at least most of today, far more of today than I had hoped or anticipated, we've gone this far today. Um, that's, a, you know, we're almost like 48 hours. That to me indicates at the very least this. This is not a simple situation, right? This is, this is not Robert Mueller uh, filed a report. Look, I uh, looked into this. There's nothing here. My principal conclusion is there was no co collusion. And uh, we've wrapped this up um, with um, some ancillary uh, indictments. And we're still hoping to convict Robert, uh, Robert, uh, Roger Stone uh, of, of his uh, interaction with WikiLeaks and the hacking there. But as far as the president and people directly associated with him currently, uh, there's nothing there and we're done. That wouldn't take very long to release, in my view. Obviously, I'm not an expert on this. No one's ever done this before. But to me, the more time that goes by, the clearer it is that there's something else going on here. This is not a clear-cut exoneration. A clear-cut exoneration would be... Very easy, very simple, very quick. Boom, here it is. That's not it, at least based upon what we currently know. Could there be issues with regard to national security and redactions and that kind of stuff? I, yeah, sure. I guess so. Um, but I, I do think that the, 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 the fact that there's been some time that's elapsed here indicates that this is not a clear-cut, simple situation. Now, um, so I, I don't know what the bottom line is, but my, my guess is, my guess is this will be perceived, certainly by Trump and his sycophants, as a victory, but that the deeper we get into the details, we're going to find out that this was largely a situation where they couldn't prove it. And the thing I'm most interested in is, okay, what does he recommend on obstruction of justice? Because the the evidence that there's been obstruction of justice here is voluminous. I mean, uh, there is, there's obstruction of justice everywhere. And uh, it goes way beyond just the firing of James Comey and his conversations with Comey. It goes to everything from intimidating uh, witnesses publicly, tampering with the jury publicly in the Paul Manafort case, uh, calling this a witch hunt as president of the United States, a person of that power and position, that's obstruction alone in my view. Uh, there, there's all sorts of elements of obstruction here. Not giving an interview, as you promised, is obstruction uh, uh, with regard to the president of the United States. So there's obstruction of justice any, everywhere. 
and it's 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 it will be baffling to me if there's not some sort of recommendation with regard to uh, Congress looking further into the obstruction of justice charges against Donald Trump because it's everywhere. And for Nikki Haley to claim that there's no interference here just because the investigation wasn't shut down. Uh, it's beyond bizarre. It's just flat out ridiculous. And so uh, that to me is the area that I'm most interested in. I want to know, okay, what does Mueller think about obstruction of justice? And along those lines, the Michael Cohen testimony to Congress where he lied about the Trump Tower. I want to know what's the bottom line on that. Is there evidence or not that Donald Trump effectively suborned Michael Cohen's perjury on that? Because I have concluded a long time ago that the Trump Tower project is at the center of this, that this is the lie. This is this is the, this is the part that caused everybody to lie. And I frankly think there's a good chance that everyone, including myself, misinterpreted how important those lies were because lying in the Trump world is no big deal. <laughs> That's just the way things are done. You know, normally for good people lying, you have to lie for a reason. But with Trump, there may not be any real reason to lie. That's just the way things are done. Eh, go ahead and lie about it. But it's the Trump Tower project going all the way through the 2016 election, which I think is probably at the heart of why it is that there was this lying and why what it was that they were trying to hide or protect because they thought that would be politically damaging, not realizing that the, the cult by this point will put up with virtually anything that Trump does, and especially with the conservative media totally invested in him. I love the poorly educated. Now, I mentioned earlier that uh, we're scheduled to be joined by Rick Wilson, a GOP consultant, TV commentator, author of the book, Everything Trump Touches Dies. And we're going to bring him in now because this is a really good uh, time to do it, although we still don't know anything at all about what's actually in the Mueller report, but he's graciously agreed to uh, join us and talk about what it is that we currently do know. Uh, Rick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. And, uh, and with, with every caveat in the world that at, uh, at, at 2.25 East Coast time on Sunday, we don't know anything more than, uh, than, than the other 300 and some odd million Americans who aren't named Bob Barr, Bob Mueller, or the staff of the special counsel's office. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, now, I, I was just out outlining for the audience um, my general view of, of where we are and where we're likely to go here, and specifically with regard to obstruction of justice here, because I, I have never believed that uh, Mueller was going to be able to prove full-on collusion or conspiracy with Russia, assuming that even happened. By the way, let me start with that. Did, have, did you believe that there was going to be proof of collusion, quote-unquote, with Russia in this investigation? Well, I, I believe that the investigation has already demonstrated in the various indictments that 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 the Trump senior campaign officials, including Paul Manafort, were, were actively working with the Russians, not only to change American policy in the campaign, but to, to help the campaign. I believe that Roger Stone, who was a de facto uh, campaign advisor, even if he wasn't on the budget, um, was actively colluding with a Russian military intelligence front, the GRU, in the form of WikiLeaks. So I believe that there, I believe there is meaningful proof of that. However, I think what we're probably going to run into is that Robert Mueller plays by the rules. And Robert Mueller knows that the rules of the Justice Department say, no matter what the evidence is, you can't indict a sitting president. And I think that's probably what we're going to find out, is that there was plenty of, plenty of stink. And, and under normal circumstances, you'd put the guy um, you know, in an orange jumpsuit. But then in this case... You know, that, that one rule probably saved the president from, uh, from indictment. But hold on, Rick, though. If, if that's the case, then, then why uh, no charges along those lines with Manafort uh, or Flynn or Cohen? Why no indictment of Donald Trump Jr.? Yeah, I mean, He's not protected. Are, yeah, John, I, I perfectly see that there are plenty of mysteries here that we have not unraveled yet. And that there are plenty of things. We may have ended up with Manafort, uh, Stone, and others stiff-arming enough where you couldn't rise to the 95% evidentiary and, and, uh, and, and indictment standard that DOJ also works under. So we have a lot of reasons why it was a tougher lift than it, than it might have been. But again, we don't know yet what this report says. We, just, we don't have any 
real handle on on the what and wherefores of Mueller's reasoning behind a lot of these things. Well, again, you know, we also I, don't know if all these cases have been resolved. Some of them have been passed on, as we know, to Southern District. Some of them have to go to New York, to Eastern District of Virginia, to the uh, Eastern District of New York, and to and to uh, the D.C. Circuit or the D.C. Districts. So there are a lot of uh, you know there are a lot of leads here. We don't understand how they've been disposed of, and a lot of tracks here. We don't know how they've been disposed of. And look, I'm all for uh, you know. I, I want to know all the facts as much as anybody does, but I, you know, we're trying to figure out uh, where we are based upon the very little that we currently know. And I, I guess I want to throw a scenario at you. What what do you make of the scenario that um, that Mueller is essentially throwing his hands up in the air at this point? going to the attorney general and and saying, uh, hey, look, um, this is what I can prove, but there's been so much obstruction of this investigation that it's not possible to go any further. What, what do you make of that possibility? Well, I, I, I think that scenario has, has absolutely got legs, John, because the, the president has engaged in an almost daily drumbeat in an attempt to uh, suborn witnesses in this in this process by dangling pardons out there, mm-hmm. um, an attempt to 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 uh, to to publicly ask witnesses to stick with him, to break down the the the, the public trust in the FBI and the Justice Department and the intelligence community. He's he's definitely engaged in behavior. I think that by by you know rational standards, looks like smells like walks like talks like obstruction. Yeah, and, and and this is what I was talking about before we we introduced you. I, you know, I was am- amazed. I mean, of all the uh, people who have become Trump sycophants, uh, I, I'm as baffled by Nikki Haley as almost anybody. I don't know if you saw her tweet uh, when after this uh, Mueller report was was filed with the attorney general's office, but she effectively gave uh, Trump credit for not interfering with the investigation. Uh, but, but, but by the way, first of all, how low is that standard? Uh, you know, thank goodness our president did not shut down the investigation of his own campaign. But I thought it was delusional because um, there are so many things. You just mentioned a couple, but there's others that are so obvious. And I guess part of what it, I, I'm part of what baffles me is do people not understand that when you're president of the United States, and you make a public statement calling an investigation a witch hunt, for instance, mm-hmm. on a daily basis, that that has a completely different uh, impact than if you're a normal uh, you know, citizen with no power in the, in, uh, over any of these people. They, they, therefore, those words need to be interpreted differently. Am I right about that? You are a thousand percent right, John. This, this, idea, this idea that the president's public statements including the public statements he made to, to Lester Holt, saying, I got rid of James Comey because I didn't want him continuing this Russia investigation. Um, these are things that, as I said, they, they, they rise to a certain different level when it's the president of the United States doing this. You know, if a mob boss, if a mob boss was out there saying comparable things about a trial or an investigation he was under, we would be, we would be watching... Vans roll up and guys, you know, trundling out people by the dozen and putting them in jail for obstruction. And but in the case of the president, you know, I'm sorry. I guess I have a higher standard than some people. Where where my belief is that you know, maybe the president shouldn't be overtly committing violations of federal law every day. Call me crazy, but you know, maybe that's a standard that 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 you know Trump supporters ought to consider when the shoe someday is on the other foot. And some Democratic president is using the Trump precedent and running roughshod over the rule of law. Well, I, I couldn't agree more with that, that the Trump precedent all over the place is going to be so problematic for, for people, especially for people who consider themselves to be actual conservatives, all 5% of the population at this point. Right, you, you, and me, you and me and a couple other guys that were on the table at a Waffle House. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it, uh, it appears. But, you know, let's just, I want to amplify this obstruction of justice thing, because let me give you, give you one example that no one ever talks about. While the Paul Manafort jury was deliberating, mm-hmm. and they were not sequestered, he tweeted support for Paul Manafort and attacked the prosecution as president yeah. of the United States. I mean, yeah. how, how is that not obstruction of justice? This is another one of those cases where 
in, in the, where we apply the if Barack Obama did it standard. And if Barack Obama did something anywhere comparable to this, Republicans would be in the streets with pitchforks and torches. And I would be in the, the I would be in the line with the people with the pitchforks and torches saying, this is unacceptable. This is not how a president behaves. This is not what we do in this country with, where we believe the rule of law and the Constitution matter. So, but here we are. You know, now the rule is if Trump does it, it's fine. And, 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 you know, I think you're going to see a huge stress test in the next, you know, well, few hours. Since Friday, we've had every conservative Trump supporter, or quote, conservative Trump supporter out there, cheerleading and saying, oh, he's exonerated, he's fine, Mueller did the right thing, Bob Mueller's an American hero for, for saying there's no collusion. I suspect when this report <laughs> comes out, and whether it comes out today, or whether it comes out when Congress gets it, or whether it comes out when, when you know, somebody goes after and FOIAs everything and, and, and drills it out a la, you know, uh, Judicial Watch type for people, when the report is made public, I suspect they're going to turn right back around again and say, oh, Bob Mueller's a monster, he's a deep state trying to kill the president's blah, blah, blah. So... I, I, you and I are, you, you are, in, you and I are in similar positions. I do think the more we learn about this, the worse it will be for Trump. But we're also realists, and from a political standpoint, there, there's almost no scenario at this point uh, that I can see. Correct me if I'm wrong, where Trump doesn't end up with a W here. Am I right about that? Oh, I, I disagree with that. Actually, I still think there are there. I still think that the mosaic of charges. Look, there, there are 17 current investigations about, uh, in, in terms of Donald Trump uh, and, and, and the things that, that concatenate off of the Trump-Russia issue, including the counterintelligence investigations, including other things that have been kicked over to DOJ, including the, uh, the, the aforementioned cases that are spread out across the various U.S. attorneys, including the stuff in New York. I think this actually has a long knock-on effect with Trump that, that continues to fill out this mosaic. This is a man who is fairly, um, fairly corrupt, you know, as as part of his mo, and that and that there are other criminal behaviors and activities here that do rise to a point. You know, where we've already seen seven people who worked for the Trump campaign have pled guilty. We've seen twenty three other arrests in this case. We've seen, you know, this. No, I, 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 Rick, I think we're talking about two different things. You're talking about reality. I'm talking about political perception, and uh, we live in a world of perception. And uh, I think you only get one crack at this. There's been so much anticipation for the Mueller report, so much focus on collusion, which I'm wondering whether or not Trump did that strategically. I'll ask you about that separately in a minute. But uh, but to me, there's as long as there's no indictments of him or anyone in his family or and no one convicted of directly conspiring with Russia, he wins on this. I, I just don't see how that politically I'm talking politically how there's any well, other way to look at this. How am I wrong? I, I, I think a lot of the political side is already baked in the cake, though. I think, you know, you look at most of the public polling, people do believe he engaged in something shady regarding Russia. If you look at the public polling of Trump being a trustworthy figure, it's in the gutter. Right. I mean, even, even a plurality of Republicans don't consider him trustworthy and honest. So... I think that this is still something that's going to cause it to cause political damage to him, and I think that the corruption is always the killer app in politics. Corruption always has a slow burn effect, mm. and if the perception of this is that he corruptly engaged in a variety of, of of things, and that his campaign was engaged with a foreign enemy, and seventy-two percent of Americans, even in Rasmussen, say that Russia is an enemy. Um, I think you're going to have a different. A different political outcome than a, than a pure W. I think he'll always have an asterisk next to his name. Always. Well, I, not unless he's impeached, which you and I disagree on. But I want to get to that later. But let me ask you about what I just uh, referenced. You, you you wrote the book Everything Trump D- Touches Dies, and so you've done a lot of uh, thinking and, and studying of of his psychology. And uh, to me, uh, you know, he's a, a Rorschach test. Uh, for almost everybody and, and a couple of things that you need to, to to understand about uh, trump to to interpret him 
is one, he's not rich. Or certainly not as rich as he no. says that he is. That's that to oh, me. God, no. Right. That that to me is the number one thing you need to understand to interpret everything else about him. But but the great question I have about him is the level and nature of his intelligence. I consider him to be book smart, a, a very dumb guy when it comes to book smarts. But for, when it comes to street smarts, I think at times he's almost a savant. And I'm wondering, uh, where, do you yeah, uh, where do you stand on that? And, and specifically, Rick, the reason I mention it is I have, have theorized for a long time he knew collusion was the place to set the goalpost because it either didn't happen or it couldn't be proven. And if you make collusion what the Russian investigation was about, as opposed to all this other corruption, you will end up winning because they can't reach those goalposts. And he did this strategically. What are your thoughts on that? I'm not sure if it was completely strategic, and I will say this about Trump. He is not a bright man. He is not an educated man, but he has a degree of feral cunning about him that has saved his ass a few times over the decades. And he's a great salesman and a great bullshitter. So, you know, the, the, the degree to which he was able to bullshit his followers and say, oh, it has to be collusion if to prove that I took a bag of money from Putin, um, or it's nothing is satisfactory to his followers. They, they're going to declare victory on that, on that element of this. However, we are still in a legal fight here. We are still in a fight here that is based on court proceedings and investigations, and those things are not amenable as, uh, Trump, as, as, amenable as much as Trump would like it to spin. So those things will continue to grind on, and you, I think you will see additional charges coming out of the, the various other investigations here. And, you know, Congress is going to make their case. Congress is now going to exercise their constitutional responsibility to hold the president accountable and to do oversight. And if they, you know, I, I look back at the lessons of Watergate. Nixon almost got away with it. Nixon was, Nixon, a couple of different inflection points, the, 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 the congressional investigations kind of stalled and kind of sputtered. And then things broke. And I think that there is a volume of information here that the American people have only been seeing the Trump tweets in the last couple of years and not, been, and not seeing um, a, a mosaic that's been put together um, at, on, a, on the legal basis of this um, that is broader and more, and, more, and more incriminatory of the president uh, than what we've seen. So I think as that is, as we push on with these other investigations, and as Congress plays their role, you know, this isn't just going to be a one-way punching match. Which Trump's very good at something if it's one way only. Well, He's very good at punching people who are dead or who can't talk back. Right. Uh, well, it's much more difficult when he's you know facing actual you know, legal well, and political peril. Well, to me, the assuming Mueller doesn't fully exonerate Trump, which I'm, I don't believe is the case, th there's got, there has to be a, a, a moment, an inflection point, whatever, and, and the only thing I can think of is Mueller actually testifying in front of Congress. That would certainly galvanize a huge audience, and, you know, that he would have this opportunity to, to tell his story. I, 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 by the way, I spoke to a Democratic um, leader in the last 24 hours. I I think there was a there's a 100 percent chance Bob Mueller will be testifying before Congress. And, and there's that, no doubt about that. And that to me would be far more important than whatever it is that Barr is going to release. And the, the latest uh, as we're talking is that uh, Fox News is reporting that he could be releasing these. Uh, principal conclusions uh, around 5 p.m. or after 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern time on Sunday. So just basically after we're done with this podcast. Right. <laughs> uh, but um, but that's a, that's a could, and we still don't know. But but um, but look, uh, let, let me. I, I have to ask you, Rick, because you you are on MSNBC and CNN a lot, and those two networks uh, have have clearly been at the forefront of uh, the collusion narrative. And let's pretend for a second that there really was no evidence of actual collusion. Now, again, that's a def definitional issue. I get Roger Stone. I get WikiLeaks. I, I get. I get. Trust me, you know. I, I'm not blind to the to the smoke involved here. But what is? Do you not see the possibility that that those elements of the news media uh, bought into a narrative? that seemed, uh, first of all, it was incredibly compelling. It was a hit 
as as a TV series. Uh, in their view, Trump is capable of anything, and his election was a lot like the Kennedy assassination. You know, I, I believe that the Kennedy assassination has been misperceived because no one could understand that Lee Harvey Oswald could do all this damage alone, that create all this this heartache for the nation by you know from one lone nut. So there needs to be a larger explanation for it. And, and similarly, the Trump election needs a larger explanation, something really deep, dark, and sinister like like Russian collusion. And that all this kind of made sense and got a momentum of its own, and they just were wrong uh, because they they bought into to a to a, a narrative that just was was not accurate, and it, it fed on itself. Do you see that as possible? Um, I, I will say this: I think the bulk of the evidence about connections and contacts with Russia, about the Trump's financial dealings with Russia, which, by the way, I was screaming at people about in 2015. Right. Um, you know, those things are all out there. Those things are all real. So, you know, this this idea that this was a creation of the media, I think, is inaccurate. Okay. This is a creation of both of both Donald Trump's reaction to the revelations. Right. Was always the most suspicious possible sets of behavior, um, and 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 the, and the the known outward facing behaviors of Donald Trump, um, both historically and during the course of you know, the campaign and during the course of this investigation. So I, I think to blame the media um, argument here, or or to think that this was just a media creation, I, I think that you know you look at the at the vast preponderance of evidence out there. You know, Bob Mueller didn't wake up one morning, or or the FBI didn't wake up one morning and say, "Hey, you know, this would be a great storyline for MSNBC." They, they, this all emerged as a as a counterintelligence uh, operation that focused on the, the fact that the Russians in '16 were demonstrably attempting to interfere with our election. So. No, I, I get all. I get. I, I get. This is not. I'm not suggesting that this was all made up out of thin air. Uh, I, I'm suggesting it's possible that some very legitimate data points were misinterpreted, and that uh, you know I've, I've likened this to to a, uh, a romance where, uh, frankly, I think the Trump people w- wanted to hook up with the Russians maybe more than they wanted to hook up with uh, Trump people because they were afraid of getting an STD from the Trump people, uh, and and um, and that while there was an attempted romance, there was never an actual hookup, and that the evidence of uh, you know the attempted romance. Uh, was was misinterpreted as as an actual uh, proof of a hookup. That's that's a theory on my part. Obviously, we don't know until we hear more from from Mueller. But that that's well, that. I think I think some of the some of the hookup though, um, you know, was very clear, starting with the Trump Tower meeting, and then some of the, the the evidence of the hookup was even more clear when we got to the phase where we were changing the Republican Party's policies about Russia and Ukraine. At the convention, you know, at the direction of a guy, Paul Manafort, who is asked deep with Russian oligarchs for a long time, and he was at the time the president's campaign manager. So I think the hookup, you know, there are, there are signs of that hookup absolutely happening, yeah. and and of that hookup being yeah, but um, but no, but no, but no charges, but no charges against Manafort that are consistent with that hookup. So I mean well, that that's that's troubling. We also, yeah, we also don't know if they were holding or trying to get Manafort. To cooperate further, we don't know any of that yet. So, so that's where that's why I've been telling people since Friday: left and right, up and down, Trump and not. Don't get ahead of your skis. Nobody knows until we see the report. Right. So. Okay. So, last two questions for you, Rick, um, yeah. and they're political in nature because you know you're you're um, known as a, a GOP consultant. Although, do you can still do you still consider yourself a GOP consultant? By the way. You know, I'm actually I'm actually kind of now happily apostate from the from the Republican Party, um, and I still uh, I, I still consider myself a conservative. And and you know, when you write a best selling New York Times number one best selling book, they want you to write another one, so I'm doing that. <laughs> and, uh, and and you know out speaking and writing about the, the current situation okay. more than I'm uh, All right, but, out trying to elect people to support Trump. Right, got it. So, but my point is, that, though, your, your background is in, in pure is in politics. And 30, so, 30 years of it. Right. Yeah. And so I want to ask you about two things. Uh, one, uh, this issue of impeachment. 
and my understanding, although you and I have not talked about this for a while since we, we, we met in, in Los Angeles uh, several months ago yeah. when we did an interview, but I haven't yeah. talked to you since about it. I, I am a big believer in the historical significance of the black mark of impeachment being on Donald Trump to show that he was not, quote unquote, normal and that, it, that we don't set a precedent for future presidents, even though there's no chance of a Republican Senate ever removing him from office. It appears to me that you disagree with that concept. Why? If, if so, why? Um, here, here's where I'm at on impeachment. I think that if you look at, if, if Democrats are looking at impeachment as this magical political moment where America will turn against Trump, that's stupid. It's just dumb. It's bad politics. It's bad optics. If they want to make sure that they reduce Trump's political power and the danger to the country, impeachment can be part of it if the crimes rise to the level of actual impeachable offenses and they're not reaching. If they're reaching, it's dumb. It's dumb politics. If, if they're legitimate, make the case to the American people, do it. Fine. But I don't think that it matters in the end because, as you just said, how do we get to two-thirds in the Senate? Anybody want to show me a map where you can get to two thirds of the Senate? I'm happy to listen, but right. I, but, but, I don't see but Rick, it. I don't you don't you it. don't you don't see impeachment as historically significant. Look, Bill Clinton was impeached and left the left the 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 White House more popular than he was when he when he got there. But hold on, Rick. How did how did Hillary do in her presidential campaigns after that? Well, I think Hillary's I think Hillary's problems were well beyond Bill. No, but they were well but it was part of the equation, Rick. It was part of the equation. I mean, there there was a historical well, was black mark. It made her behavior. It made her behavior so screwy. I mean, she was she was always obsessed with the with that, and it always colored the way she was a can, as she behaved as a candidate. But look, if if you can substantially demonstrate that he engaged in high crimes and misdemeanors, then. Absolutely. And I, by the way, I do view obstruction as a high crime and misdemeanor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and okay. but I just, but I counsel Democrats not to expect that because he's impeached, that it won't be seen as a mere partisan act. Right. And if it's just, if it's just seen as, oh yeah, well, they, they let the majority so they screwed him. Um, I think that's a, that's a, a, a political backstep. Yeah. Well, I, don't think that's, I get it. I, I get the. I get the. Politics. I get the politics, Rick. But I think there's something larger than the politics here. I think that from a historical perspective, it's incredibly important not to set the precedent that a president could get away with what Trump is going to get away with. Regard- I, I don't. I don't disagree with you, brother. Okay. I don't disagree with you. Okay. I think, he, I think the mark. He's always going to have an asterisk that, for a bunch of reasons. That's another asterisk for him. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, well, I'm sure we'll talk about that again uh, in the future. Now, as far as now that we're starting the Democratic presidential process with, uh, I believe, uh, 53 different candidates uh, running for... 119, I don't know how many. <laughs> right. right. Um, I, I, my, my first question is, as I, I doubt that this would ever happen in an official capacity, but would anyone ever ask you to consult their campaign, or would you ever consider doing that for any of these candidates? The first question is yes, that would, that would happen, and it has. Um, the second question is to be determined. Okay. Um, so, um, and, and, I, and that's a very that would be a very heavy lift for me because not one of them right now is an ideological fit in any way whatsoever. But um, you know, well, if, let, if there let, are, let me throw this at you, Rick. Let me throw this at you. Um, compelling arguments. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> My, I, I have long ago uh, ended any uh, sense of optimism, but I'm always looking for the least bad option when it comes to politics, especially in the Trump era. I am in, uh, enticed by the possibility uh, that Joe Biden could be a four-year uh, safe harbor where we get back to some semblance of normalcy and then we can try to regroup and, and refight all this. Uh, where do you stand on, on that scenario? You know, as I've said to a lot of people this year, if Joe Biden was five years younger, he would be leading the Democratic deal by 40 points and would win a walkaway national election. The honest to God. I just worry he's lost a step, that he can't survive a Democratic primary um, at this point, and that he can't survive a Republican onslaught. Uh, you know, it's going to be something like he's never seen before. But I love Joe Biden in terms of, of He's just one of those. He's a populist with a good heart. 
Okay, he is one of these guys where there's no real, there's no darkness in Joe Biden. You know, you never think of Joe Biden like, yeah, there's a dark side of that guy. <laughs> there's some evil shit going on with that. You just don't. Right. He's, he's a kind of lovable well, American figure for good and bad. Well, um, I, I get all that. I so. actually, I think there was a, a moment this week though, and, it's, and I haven't checked his Twitter feed recently, but I doubt it's changed. I think he blew it this week where he he didn't even stand up to Trump. Uh, on behalf of his old friend John McCain, I mean, I, so if if you're if he's not willing and able to do that, he may just not be up to this. Yeah, that was surprising. Uh, yeah, you know that's a good point, John. I, I don't, I correct. I don't think I saw him say anything about the McCain situation, which, which I have to tell you, I I I was pretty lit up about that, as you may have seen. Yeah, but um, you know, and if Joe did not, that's that was a mistake. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it, to me, it's an indication he just is not up to this. That it's just you know whether it's too he's too old or whatever it is, uh, you know, and you know all these gimmicks, you know, the the potential one term pledge, yeah, the vice. I, I don't, yeah, I don't think I don't think gimmicks and stunts are how you build a presidential campaign. Mm-hmm. And and I maybe you know say that I was proven wrong by Trump, but gimmicks and stunts are. Things in the old news cycle that meant something, and now we live in a news cycle of you know it's a news ecosystem, not a news cycle. So I don't I don't see like saying he's going to be a one termer or saying Stacey Abrams is going to be the VP. I don't see those things as as net mm. political positives that, that sustain. They may be good for a day or two or a week mm. or two, but I don't see them sustaining as rationales for the entire campaign. So who does Rick Wilson see as a potential dark horse that could emerge? out of this pack if it's not Biden, and I don't believe it's going to be Bernie Sanders. Do you see a dark yeah. horse? And specifically, what do you make of the uh, the mayor of South Bend, Pete Buttigieg, I guess is how you say his last name, who's getting all this uh, media love and has a... He is, a getting, he is having his moment, okay? And, and I have to say, and I've talked to a few people and friends of mine who know him and have talked to him, um, and I will say one thing. The intelligence of this guy and his presence and his ability to communicate is is kind of refreshing. And he is clearly a very smart guy. He's a military veteran. You know, he served in intelligence. He's, he, he, is, he speaks 18 languages or whatever. He's polymath <laughs> on a whole bunch of areas. And I think he's having a real moment right now. But I don't know if that scales to a national presidential campaign in a Democratic Party that is sort of torn right now between two big goals. Do you, do you elect uh, as your nominee the person who makes your progressive heart go pitter-patter, or do you elect the person as your nominee that can beat Trump? Mm-hmm. And, and the Democrats are making this, this category error right now, and partly because they're trying to win the, what I call the Bernie-slash-AOC mm-hmm. primary. Right. Oh, I'm the most progressive. I'm the pure one. I'm the I'm the one who will check off all the boxes, and I'll, and I'll ban guns and make abortion free and all these things. That's their impulse, because that's what Democrats always do. They want to follow their impulse. Right. And and they would be much better served, you know, in my humble opinion, as a guy as a guy who helped hack the political system in this country against Democrats over and over and over and over and over again. The mistakes they'll make by nominating a Bernie type um, mean Trump wins forty five states. No, I agree. I think there's a. And, I, I think I think if they pick the wrong nominee, Trump will win re-election. Uh, and I think yep. there's, I think there's a very good chance they're going to pick the wrong nominee because they're going to go by their feelings rather than their 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 brains. And uh, they will they will always seek political death. Mm-hmm. Even when they win, they, even when they win, they don't always understand why. And it's you know it all it all comes down. If Barack Obama and Bill Clinton were were generational great candidates, but. John Kerry and Hillary Clinton were, what, were where the Democratic Party's like, like instinct to go is. Mm-hmm. Their instinct is to you know name the person who's the safe bet, who like who all the establishment really loves, and whose whose turn it is, etc. If they if they go with that, and if they go with a policy set that looks like you know it came out of AOC's Trapper Keeper Slam book, um, they're going to end up getting their asses kicked in 45 states by a president who does not deserve realize. Fair enough. Uh, Rick Wilson, author of the book Everything Trump Touches Dies, which is now out on paperback. Uh, thanks so much for your time on uh, on this. Absolutely, John. Let's see, what, let's see where the news breaks here in the next couple hours. All right. Thanks so much, Rick. We'll be in touch. Talk to you soon. Uh, that's uh, Rick Wilson. And, uh, you know, I think we did as good a job there as we possibly could, given the fact that we don't know 
any of the preliminary conclusions or the primary conclusions of the Mueller report, which which will probably be out, as I've been predicting throughout this podcast, within an hour or so after we post this. Uh, but that's okay because we have another edition of the Individual One podcast on Wednesday, and it'll give us a f- you know a few days to actually. I know this is a bizarre concept in this day and age, but to actually reflect, find out what the facts are, uh, you know, interpret it uh, properly, get some legitimate reaction, and have some time to get your thoughts together. So make sure you uh, check us out on uh, Wednesday when we'll have the next edition, episode number 16 of the Individual One podcast. I'm not going to change the percentages for either uh, the chances of Trump being removed from office or not finishing his first term and uh, for him being reelected, because frankly, I was not surprised at all by anything we've learned so far about the the Mueller investigation and there not being any further indictments. I I tend to disagree with Rick slightly in that I I think that this is going to be a much bigger win perception-wise, at least at first, at least at first, for Donald Trump. So I'll keep that number of him not finishing his first term in office at 5% and his re-election number at 40%. Uh, Until uh, Wednesday, when hopefully we'll have a lot more to talk about, uh, this is the Individual One Podcast. My name is John Ziegler, and you're listening to the Global Story Network.